Our text this morning comes from the Gospel of John, the first chapter. It will be the first 18 verses. Uh, much of this may be very familiar to you, so I ask you to try, if you can, to hear it fresh, to hear God's word speak. The Gospel according to John, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him, and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. May God's word accomplish his purposes. Thank you, Tim. I encourage you to keep your Bibles open to John 1 this morning. Many of you have watched and enjoyed the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, it's a classic Christmas movie. And as you know, George Bailey, played by Jimmy Stewart, made many sacrifices for the good of his town, Bedford Falls. But on Christmas Eve, with the threat of losing his family's buildings and loan, um, losing that to the evil banker, uh, Henry Potter, George Bailey con contemplated suicide. And to the rescue came guardian angels to show him all of the wonderful things he had done in his life and how all of us are blessed because of all of the wonderful things he has done. And the angels did this hoping to convince him not to end his life. Of course, as these movies go, um, all ends well with the town itself coming to George's rescue. And they conclude that it is indeed a wonderful life. Well, in hindsight, um, if I could go back, I would retitle my sermon, 
it's a wonderful life. But it has absolutely nothing to do with George Bailey. Uh, instead, it has everything to do with what we learn about um, what we learn here in John chapter 1. It's really of Jesus we can truly say it's a wonderful life. And here's why. Look, look with me at verse 4. Verse 4 begins by saying, In him was life, referring to the Word. Uh, in the Word was life. Or we could say in this context, in the beginning, life was in the Word. Be before anything was created, life was in the Word. Uh, remember verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And now verse 4 continues, In Him was life. Life was found in the Word before the beginning of time. Um, People today, uh, atheists who believe in evolution, think that it was matter that always existed. But in truth, before matter was created by God out of nothing, life was in the Word. As creator of all that exists, we know that life comes from God. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, we're told... And I quote, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So life is found in the Word. Our physical life comes from God. He created us, and he breathed into us, making us a living creature. So we're... We're created in His image and likeness. Um, and God created us in His image and likeness to live and not, not die. What, what God created was very good. You can, you can understand then why Genesis 3 is so utterly devastating. God, God said, to Adam in the Garden of Eden, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And you know that's exactly what happened in chapter 3. Adam and Eve ate of the fruit that they were forbidden to eat. But mercifully... Physical death was not immediate, but it came. Spiritual death, however, was immediate. They felt shame. They were afraid. They hid from God. The, the consequence of sin would be devastating. In, in mercy, we're told that God provided garments to cover their nakedness, but they were driven away from the garden so they could never eat from the tree of life. Adam's disobedience brought death to the entire human race. All of us are born with the guilt of Adam upon us, spiritually dead because of sin. Death, death has become our great enemy. Uh, we, we see clearly that death is a consequence of sin. If 
we think about physical death for a moment, we know how ugly it really is. Death is not pretty. Death is painful. Death, physical death, pounds away on the human race. And no one escapes. But the physical death isn't the worst part. Physical death points to a far worse reality for the entire human race. What is that? It's spiritual death. If you are spiritually dead, God's condemnation is upon you. An eternity in hell, separated from God, awaits you. And it's just. God is holy. Mankind falls far short of God's unstained glory and is or therefore deserving of his just wrath for our sin. And no human being has ever been an exception to this reality of experiencing death, spiritual death, except for Jesus. Yes, Jesus died, but it wasn't for his sin. It was for our sin. He was buried, and he was raised to life, never to die again. And so the word in whom was life from eternity past, stepped into history and laid down his life in our place. He, he died for our sin, was buried and then raised again to life by God the Father on the third day, never to die again. And so the one in whom was life gave his life so we could have life in him. This life is a big theme in John's gospel. At least 36 times life is spoken of in the gospel of John. In him was life. It, it's in Jesus that we find life. Jesus says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In John 5, 24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Jesus also said in John 6, 40, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should not or should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus also said to Martha in John eleven twenty five, in the context of comforting her, ministering to her, when her brother Lazarus had died, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he die physically, Yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. <laughs> and then one final verse, John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is the way to be rescued from death and brought to life. Jesus is the way to be set free from the wrath of God and to be at peace with God. In, in him was life, and in him is life. That, 
That is good news. The, the Word came to reveal God and to reveal God's marvelous plan to mercifully and graciously give life to those who are dead in their sin. Christmas celebrates Jesus breaking into time with this good news. But you must believe. As I mentioned earlier, Jesus again says in John 5, 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. For, for the one who believes Jesus, he, he has passed. He has passed from death to life. He has begun to experience the blessings of life that are found in the person of Jesus. That, that is good news. Good news for the one who believes. In him was life. Not death. In him was life. And if that weren't enough, we're also told in verse 4 that the life was the light of men. The life that was in the Word is a source of all that is good and glorious, and it shines into the life of mankind. This concept of life is also, or light is also very important to the Apostle John. He speaks of this light at least 23 times in his Gospel. He, he tells us in John 8, 24, the words of Jesus, and I quote, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus also said in John 12, 46, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. I, I think the psalmist saw this day coming when he said in Psalm 36, 9, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. So no, notice that Jesus is the light of the world, and he has come so that you can live in the light and not in the darkness. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But first, certainly, uh, all of we all know how precious physical light really is. Um, on the first day of creation, God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. Um, pra practically speaking, can, can you imagine living if it was always dark? <laughs> uh, today is December the 19th. In two days, December the 21st, we will have the winter solstice. Um, that's the shortest day of the year. And from my viewpoint, there is one good thing about December the 21st. Well, maybe... Maybe two. It's winter, and I happen to be one of those weird guys that really enjoys snow. If it's winter, I want lots of snow. But there's something else good about December the 21st. It means that uh, from that day on, the days are going to begin to get longer. And so it's like we're in that period of time where you know, days are shorter and shorter. It's getting darker earlier. It's staying darker uh, later into the morning, but... 
After we come to pass the winter solstice, those days will start getting longer again. It's like spring is coming. We'll get through this winter. Spring is coming. We'll have more light. We love to live in the daylight. Physical light is a good thing. Physically speaking, we know that there would, in fact, be no life without light. Uh, Spiritually, there's no light without the life of Jesus. The, The light of Jesus is infinitely better than darkness. In him was life, and the life was the light of of men. So the life of Jesus is the light that shines in our life. And that light, I believe, represents all of what is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable. That light enables us to see all that is good and glorious. And, and really what we're saying is that the light reveals God. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5 and 6, the Apostle Paul says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. For God who said... Let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we gain a knowledge of God in the light of Jesus. The light illumines our hearts and minds. With the light of Jesus, we see God and we know God. As, as an example, think about this physically. This past summer, as most of you know, Shelly and I had the opportunity, because of your kindness to us, to visit the Tetons and Yellowstone. We loved that trip. I just thought the mountains were majestic. Uh, Yellowstone just surprised me again and again with all of the geysers and um, the, the, the waterfalls, the, the beautiful scenery, the lakes the rivers, it was just a gorgeous place to be. But while we were there, we did a lot of traveling through both of those parks. Um, But we never traveled at nighttime. And you know why we didn't travel at at nighttime. If we had traveled through those parks at night, the mountains and the waterfalls and the geysers would still be there, but we would not have seen them. We would have been ignorant of their beauty. We wouldn't have enjoyed them. But with with the light of the sun during the day, we could see the beauty of the mountains and of all of the things at Yellowstone, and we enjoyed it. I, I want you to know that without light, without light, we would miss all of the beauty. And so this is my point. In the light of Christ, we can see God, and we can know God, and we can enjoy God. We're no longer in the darkness. We now live in the light, in a relationship with God. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, 
that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So through the light of Jesus, we see God and we can know God. The, the good news is that God called us out of darkness into his marvelous light through the person of Jesus Christ. And in that light, we learn many wonderful, glorious truths about God and the work that he is doing in us. Without the light of Jesus, we'd miss all that. And so the light reveals God in the face of Jesus Christ. But secondly, the light here speaks of God's moral purity. In 1 John 1, 5, we, we read, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. There, there's not even a hint of darkness or evil in God. God is morally perfect. There's no evil in God. God is everything that is good. God is everything that is perfect and righteous and holy and beautiful and glorious and praiseworthy and honorable. We can search for eternity in every nook and cranny of God's heart and only find what is good. This righteousness and holiness is gloriously revealed to us in the light of Jesus. This morning, I, I, I hope that you know how blessed you are if you see the light of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. We, we are indeed a richly blessed people. We, we have eyes to see the person of God. We marvel at His kindness that led us to repentance. We are thankful for His mercy that doesn't treat us as we really deserve. We, we are amazed by His grace that has saved us. We are humbled by His love, even a steadfast love that does not go away. We find comfort in His sovereignty that rules the universe and our lives, knowing that not even one worthless sparrow falls to the ground apart from His will. We have hope because He is the truth. He is holy. He loves righteousness and hates wickedness. He is just. We, we have courage because Jesus is the good shepherd who walks with us faithfully and never leaves us, even though we may walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We find great comfort from the Holy Spirit that dwells with us and keeps us believing. We are a people who are richly blessed. We, we also consider ourselves recipients of an undeserved when we realize our own sin. We confess our sin. We repent of our sin. We experience God's forgiveness. We live under the sweet authority of King Jesus who 
is the good shepherd of the sheep. And the Holy Spirit is at work transforming us more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. We're, we're learning to live in the light and not in the darkness. And today we are still, in fact, living in a sin-cursed world. We, we battle our own sinful flesh. We face temptations from the evil one. The world and its system that stands opposed to God, it presses hard against us. This, in fact, makes us long for glory. We're eagerly waiting for that day when Jesus will come and will take us to glory. But we, we live in the midst of this sin-cursed world with that great sense of anticipation and hope. But we, we also know that in this lifetime, as we wait, we, we may suffer. We may suffer. We live in a world with many people, like we once were, who hate Jesus and hate his followers. Uh, one of our young ladies here at Grace Hill was being picked on by her classmates at school, um, and they were making fun of her for being a Christian. And as she tells the story, this grieved her heart. She was upset by that, but not, not so much because of what she suffered, but because of the one picking on her, she said, didn't know her God. It, it hurt her that this boy was saying things about her God that, she, that he didn't know. And, and she said, I, I want to talk to him. I, I want him to know my God. <laughs> When I heard that story, I thought, man, that sounds just like the spirit that was in King David when he saw Goliath defiantly uh, you know, challenging the army of Israel and mocking God. And it, it moved this young boy who would become King David to go out and to fight Goliath. And he, what motivated him was well, he was passionate about his God. And... You know the rest of the story. In a world with so much wrong, it's easy for us at times to get discouraged. Um, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in our church right now. Uh, a lot of people who can't be with us this morning because of various illnesses. You know, we hear all kinds of news in our community. It's, it's kind of been an... In, in many ways, and it's easy at times to get discouraged. We can, we can easily get overwhelmed and lose hope. Um, we, we see and sometimes we experience hurt personally by being sinned against, and it's not, not just from people out in the world, but it can also come from people within the church. And in truth, sometimes we hurt other people. Um, there, there are lots of problems in fallen humanity. Um, and the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3 says it's going to get worse as the day of the Lord gets closer. Listen as I read, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, 
lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderers without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. It might sound to you like I'm kind of doom and gloom here this morning, but I'm really not. I, I have great hope, and you can have great hope. Why? It's because in the Word was life, and the life is the light of men. In the light of Jesus, we see God in all of His glory. We see the work God is doing through His Son by His Spirit to save us and transform us and to keep us for His glory. In the light of Jesus, we see all that is good and glorious. We're richly blessed, but you and I have to be honest about the difficulties that we face. We can't stick our head in the sand, but we can't let those difficulties be the only thing that we see. God has done a work of grace in our hearts, giving us eyes to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we can't turn away from that. We have to look to Christ and to see the beauty and the worth of God in all of His glory. Now, verse 5 tells us one more important truth. It says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. It, it seems at times, actually, every day it feels like darkness always wins. It, it feels like the devil and all of his minions that fight so aggressively against Jesus Christ will surely win. It, it seems just from our limited, finite view that the church of Jesus Christ is so weak and will never survive against the wiles of the evil one. It, it can feel like the church is so ineffective in the fight against evil, but that's not the case. Verse 5 is filled with great hope. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Light dispels darkness. The presence of light drives away darkness. Darkness cannot stand in the presence of light. I'm so thankful for that glorious truth. There is a quality about light that will not be overcome by darkness. There, there is great hope because Jesus is the light of the world. The light of Jesus drives away darkness. The Apostle Paul says this to the church in Ephesians 5, 18 through 16, and the Spirit of God says this to you this morning. At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For 
It is shameful even to speak of the things that, are, that they do in the secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So in Christ, by the Spirit, we, we can live differently in a world filled with darkness because the light of Jesus shines in the darkness and drives away darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. We, we have great hope. So let's close this morning by looking just at verse 9 quickly. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So this is, this is why we celebrate at Christmas. God created man in his image and likeness. Male and female, he created them. He said, it is very good. But the first man, Adam, willfully sinned against God, bringing death. And as, as was mentioned already this morning, God promised the Redeemer there in Genesis 3.15, uh, when you read through the Old Testament, it reveals how desperately a Redeemer is really needed. Again and again, we see how everyone did what was right in their own eyes with no regard for God. And there were many wicked kings who led people in idolatry. But in that mix, God makes a bunch of very bold promises of a coming righteous king who would rule on David's throne forever. We we know how there were 400 years of silence between the last of the Old Testament prophets and, and the New Testament. Um, 400 years of silence with, with a remnant of faithful people clinging to God's promise. But then after that 400 years of silence, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The, the promised Messiah came into this world. The, the true light that gives light to everyone has come, revealing God, providing redemption, and providing the way to know God and enjoy God forever. I, I want you, and my prayer is that we would just, this Christmas, marvel at the kindness of God, the wisdom of God, the love of God to send Jesus. Without, without Jesus, we'd still be spiritually dead. We'd be living in darkness. We wouldn't see the beauty of God. We wouldn't enjoy the beauty of God. Without Jesus, you wouldn't know God. You wouldn't walk with God. Without Jesus, you would have no hope for overcoming darkness. We... We see the darkness. It's, it's ugly. It's not pleasant. It's harsh. It destroys. Without Jesus, there's no hope of overcoming that darkness. But Jesus came. And there is life for the one who believes. And a relationship, a, a personal, close, right relationship with the true and living God and there's great hope, 
not only for this life, but for the life to come. So the question is, do you believe? Do you believe Jesus? Um, are, are you living in the light, or are you still in darkness? Are, are you enjoying God? <laughs> he, Jesus was sent by the Father so that in the face of Jesus, we would see the beauty and the glory of God. And he did that so that you could be restored to a right relationship with him and enjoy him, know him, find comfort and delight in him. I, I pray that this morning, as you think about that, you can say, yes, I do believe. Yes, I am living in the light. I've seen the beauty and the glory of God, and I enjoy him. I love him with all of my heart. If you're here this morning and you, you can't say that, yes, I do believe, my prayer is that maybe today would be the day where the Spirit of God would be at work in your heart where you say, you know what, I, I have to choose today to put my faith in Jesus. With, without Him, there's no hope. With Him, there's life. With, that, with Him, there is great hope. Let's, let's pray together. Father, what an amazing thing you have done by sending your Son, who was life and who is the light of men. We are thankful this morning, those of us who are here and who believe, we're, we're thankful that you caused your light to shine in our hearts so that we could see you in the face of Jesus. And we credit you for that. We praise you for that. We thank you for that. And I'm thankful that in the midst of our experience here in this sin-cursed world, there's, there's many things that can easily weigh us down. There is many things that can overwhelm us. Sadness can grip our hearts. And we confess we desperately need your spirit to remind us of these wonderful truths so that we would again and again turn to Jesus and see in him the light that enables us to see you in all of your beauty and glory. So Father, help us to be people who every day believe, every day worship you, every day enjoy you. There is no better life. It, it is a wonderful life when we have life in Jesus. So help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.